Hello, Denver United, and welcome to another episode of our podcast series, Clunky Conversations on Race and Unity. George, we've called this series Clunky Conversations uh, half tongue-in-cheek, but I think the reality that we're all discovering is that to have the conversation about race, justice, and unity is to accept that it's going to go down clunky. It's not going to go down smooth. If we need it to be manicured for the camera, it's very difficult to expect it to be authentic. And so we're fumbling our way through. Sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes we catch ourselves saying or thinking something that is impolitical. And uh, we're working this out. And I think this is an expression um, of an exponent of Scripture's idea. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're saved. Now we're figuring out what it means to be growing in the image of Christ and to be leaving the old self behind. And just so people know, yeah, I agree. And just so some of y'all know listening to this, I know a lot of podcast series and different episodes, the hosts have pages of notes and whiteboards and they're sort of on script. We are sitting here with zero notes and just literally having the conversation. So, and I think you, like you said, it's baked into it. I'm going to say something that I, that may come off wrong. You may say something. I'm like, well, wait, why did you say that? But that's the way it goes. And we're allowed uh, to, to not have it all together. And we are allowed to start before we know everything. And we hope that that's what this is more than anything uh, modeled for, for y'all listening, that you can begin having this conversation before you feel ready and you make so much more progress than you think you would um, once you get into it. Absolutely. We talked last week a good bit about justice and injustice, and rightly so. I want to turn our attention to unity. This is the church's mandate. We built this church, Denver United, where both of us serve, on the understanding that Jesus promised, I will build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. No promises about your church, Rob, George, but I will build my church. No qualifications, no conditions, guaranteed. So then that set us on the pursuit of what does Jesus's church look like? Well, there's one thing. Did you know that Jesus prayed for us, the future of his church that scripture records? Undoubtedly, he prayed a lot for us knowing the end from the beginning as God does. But there's one thing that scripture saw fit to record. And it wasn't that he prayed that we would be doctrinally pure, holy, or anything like that, though I'm sure he wanted those things. It was that we would be one Mm. in John 17. And in our unity, the world would see the gospel in living color, on display. And so the pursuit of unity is the pursuit of the kingdom of God. A lot is being represented under the flag of unity, and a lot of finger-wagging is happening for discourse like this because it's creating supposed disunity. I want to share something that I I wrote in reflection while I was away in the mountains this weekend as a sort of springboard for discussion and asked for your response. I was just 13 when I saw U2's Joshua Tree tour in a stadium outside Boston. I remember I could hardly hear Bono sing over the chorus of 60,000 belting together, I believe in the kingdom come when all the colors will bleed into one. And I've talked about that here on this Mm -hmm. space before. Well, my heart soared as a kid. I believed too. Decades later, I'm beginning to recognize how the narrative of American American culture formed my understanding of God's kingdom instead of the kingdom forming my understanding of culture. That all the colors should bleed into one described the experience of national utopia lived out around me. We were told by teachers that ours was to be the first colorblind generation. And we've talked about the fallacy of that ideal. People of color were tacitly asked by society to figure out how to fit in. 
all the colors did indeed bleed into one, and that one color, of course, was white. Well, Scripture depicts a different kingdom come. In Revelation, we get a glimpse of God's endgame, a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, from all nations and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes. Mm. Heaven's residents, it seems, retain their color. There is no bleeding into one. Our Creator fashioned humanity after Himself, and each ethnicity reflects a unique aspect of God's image. No one tribe or group of people can adequately display the fullness of God. That's what Latasha Morrison wrote in Be the Bridge. There's no Greek or Jew when it comes to getting the white robes, to be sure. But see this clearly, friends. Our ethnic diversity is God's intention, Mm. and it is his revelation of himself. And so this poses a problem for many of us. If you're like me, and by this I mean me, Rob, your experience, George, has obviously been somewhat different. Uh, But you've participated unwittingly in and benefited materially from a culture that's tilted white all our lives. We've talked about that that privilege, that tilt, uh, that one degree on on the trail. Well, let's get to the point. Many of us in the church have compounded the problem by shoehorning Christianity into American culture, like the stepsister's foot, overlooking the inexact fit because the slipper's so damn nice. (laughs) We have too often preached unity from the Bible and modeled conformity in its place, saying, in effect, let's all come together and do it my way. George, what say you? Man, you wrote that? I did. <laughs> Look what a little vacation does for me. <laughs> You're supposed to be on vacation. Um, wow. I mean, yeah, I definitely experienced that. I mean, my initial response to that is just to, you know, uh, one thing you can't really typically argue with is someone's experience in, in a lot of ways. So I've experienced that to some degree, being uh, an African-American male growing up in predominantly white spaces, being probably... Uh, one of the, the the black people that white people are a little bit more comfortable with, right? When they say things like, oh, he's just so well-spoken. You're like, mm-hmm. Is there a parenthetical you, unspoken? What do you mean? You're, oh, you mean like, okay, so my, the way I am black sort of is a little bit more aligned with who you are, so it's a little bit more comfortable for me to be around, whereas if yeah. I spoke differently... You've learned to fit in. Exactly, right? So it's a... I can see that... Uh, that, that tilt towards unity being more like, no, it's more like assimilation right. than, than it is being unified. Um, my, the next thing I thought about with just the beautiful picture of Revelation 7 is they're all wearing, wearing white robes as a, as a symbol of their unity while they still maintain their uniqueness and their culture and who they who they are outside of that i'm i'm a big sports fan so it's just it's the idea for me when i thought about that i thought about you know the nuggets or the broncos or whoever your team is they're all out there and they're wearing the same jersey that's what unifies us is that we're on the same team but on the team everyone a looks differently we got big guys and little guys and uh, black guys and white guys and Hispanic guys. Like, we got a whole bunch of different people on the team all wearing the same jersey, and their function is different. Uh, not everyone's throwing the ball. Not everyone's blocking. Not everyone is is shooting threes. Not everyone is posting up. But everyone has a different role. And you can be unified and not have to be uniform. We wear the same uniform, but mm. our roles are different. Um, our job is different. And and I think that that's... That, and, and distinction is probably only possible 
I'm sorry, unity is only possible if there's distinction. Mm -hmm. So let's let's pull the puzzle apart. Yeah, yeah. Let's disambiguate unity from, call it uniformity. What's the difference? And how can we mistake one for the other so easily? Who? I mean... I think I think yeah you're right when we when we say unity I think we accidentally what we mean is uniformity so for us to be united means that we all look the same or even if we don't look the same we all think the same we all believe the same we all say the same things and uniformity does have a unity implied because it's right. just it's like cloning somebody Right. So of course you're unified. So it's like a Venn diagram. <laughs> Unifor- all uniformity is unity, but, but not all, all unity you is uniformity. Up the Venn diagram. It's one of my favorite things. The it's Venn like, diagram doeth all things well. I'm the both guy, right? So like it's it's yeah. If if we all look the same, we're by default unified because we're the same. But uh, you know, it's the idea of a university as well. It's one university, but there's several departments. There's, there's, they're studying this, they're studying that, and we're, we're all united under, under a larger umbrella, under a larger goal, but there is room for difference. And that's where I think pursuing unity becomes really, really difficult when it's like, all right, if you think different than me, can we still be unified um, if we're not uniform? That's, I, that's the question I have is that how, how do you see that play out? How does it look for us as a church? to be unified and not uniform. Okay, I'm about to go here. Come on, So you might need to get ready to do damage control. Okay. So um, last week, I called out the president. I mean, not to him, but within my (laughs) sphere of influence, right? Um, I I believe passionately that we as Christians and we as citizens have a a faith and civic duty to hold our elected officials accountable. appropriately. I called out the president for quoting a, one of American history's most notorious racists during a race riot. Right. It seems both evil and imprudent. Right. Poor leadership. Um, and you would think... How'd that go? The, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse we're gathering on the horizon, at least in my little world, that the pushback uh, was extraordinary. Now, I'm fine with that. You can't enter the arena of civil discourse and cry when it gets a little uncivil or when there's opposition. That's fine. It was the content of some of the pushback that gave me pause. Hmm. And specifically, I was uh, reprimanded for not staying in my lane as a pastor, which is a separate podcast that I look forward to having. Okay, okay. Uh, and then secondly, for, and this is to the point of this discussion, for dividing the body which Jesus called us to unify, mm-hmm. and that I as a pastor ought to know better. Whew. So it's disunity, evidently, to, um, to stand up against what I understood mm-hmm. to be injustice and hurtfulness right. and, and wrong. Uh, so what does that mean unity is? Is unity not ever speaking out or not ever standing up lest we make anyone uncomfortable? Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess if we're, if we're honest, we sort of know that if the whole situation was flipped the opposite direction, where it was a Democratic president that said something horrible, the same group that's mad now would be happy then 
And likely, maybe the group that's happy now would be disappointed then. Sure. It's just the way. So I think we sort of know um, that this is what it looks like when we try to maybe to shoehorn, like you said, our faith, our, our belief about Jesus into a container that's not meant or able to contain it all. We end up having to defend something we're trying to maybe defend something that we don't have to or, we or stand up for something that we don't have to because of the container and not because of our faith. Okay, so maybe that's a good place to start. What is the container into which we as Americans and Christians try to shoehorn our, our expression of the kingdom of God? Well, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're talking about one of them. One of them is, I think, po- political affiliation, like clearly. So it's Instead of maybe our Christianity informing our politics, our politics sort of can begin to frame our Christianity. And we feel like, well, I'm with this group, so I, I try to fit my faith into that way of thinking about it. The problem is, is both groups are doing the same thing. Um, and, you know, the, the, the group on the other side, wherever line you stand on, is doing the same thing. Gotcha. So it's not one shoe. We're shoehorning into multiple shoes. And as we do, we're going in different directions. We're going in different directions. And then that's what feels like the unity maybe is getting torn apart. But it's like, no, we, we can go towards a larger goal um, uh, and still be united. So and another one is just theolo- theology, the way we read scripture and the way we understand it. Like we can try to... Those are, those are a couple that come to mind of just how we can divide or the, the ways that we try to, to shoehorn our faith into one way of seeing things when there's, when there's various. I don't know. It seems that this morning I read uh, in Mark, I think it was chapter 10, that um, Jesus' disciples came to him. They were in a lather because they found somebody who was casting out mm. demons in Jesus' name, and they stopped him because he wasn't with their group. And Jesus said, don't stop them. If they're not against us, they're for us. And there seems to be a, a kingdom rubric there, at least a clue mm. as to one, that says major on the majors, minor on the minors, agree to disagree on the periphery, and treat one another with mutual love. And that is, that can be, that maybe ought to be the unity that Jesus called us to. Because what's the alternative? Right, right. The alternative tilts you towards uniformity, to where if I don't agree with any and everything that you say, that now we're not united. And not only are we not united, you'll, you are the one who are Who's wrong. tearing us apart. Yeah, right. And you're wrong too, by the way. But see, isn't that the, isn't that the <laughs> irony here? That uniformity isn't uniformity with a capital U. It's like a hundred micro uniformities that all pull in different directions. And the one thing that's guaranteed not to happen is uni- unity. Because to, to require unity to actually mean uniformity means that we get more and more narrow and exclusive yeah. as to who's in the club. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, the other passage, I mean, you brought up that one, which is, which is incredible. The one I've been thinking about with this idea as well um, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before his death. And all throughout the Gospels, you hear Jesus using this really complex language, talking about how he, he and the Father are one, and I am in he, him, and he is in me, and you are in me. It's like I get lost in it. But what he's trying to say and what people got really mad and wanted to kill him over was the fact that he was saying, I and the Father are one, like I am God and God is me type of a thing. So we kind of all know that, that Jesus is God and God is Jesus, and it's a complex thing, but we sort of understand that. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, you see this really strange uh, scene where Jesus knows his death is imminent and he, he's praying to God to take away this cup of suffering. Like three times, God, I, 
God, take, the, if it be possible, may this cup pass from me. Translation to like modern day English, like, I don't want to do what you want me to do or what needs to be done. But, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. I think in that, in that story, I think it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture huh. of Jesus and God sort of being in dis... I won't say disagreement because I don't want to be a heretic or something, but like there's some... I mean, in the ten- moment, they're seeing it differently. There's some tension and he's like, I don't want to do it. And I think part of the fight for unity has to be that maybe we just don't know how to argue well. We don't know how to disagree and still have a nevertheless attitude. And being, being unified doesn't mean that we're exempt from tension, argument, disagreement. I would argue unity can't really exist. What are we uniting around right. if we agree about everything? It, <laughs> so, right, the prayer for unity is suddenly meaningless if its ideal is uniformity. It would be self-evident. Absolutely. So, but th- this is where we want things to be very cut and dry and simple and paint by numbers. Like, it's, it's complicated to be unified. Um, there will be times where we need to agree to disagree. And we can fight and argue and do it in a way that says, hey, man, nevertheless, you're my brother, you're my sister, I love you, I know we're all going in the same direction. I'm not vilifying you to say, if you think this, you don't love Jesus, right? We all know, look at our jersey. We're wearing the same jersey. We can, we can argue, we can fight, we can disagree. But at the same time, if I'm wrong, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> Rob, as my brother, I, you might have the, 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 the mandate to call me out. And I need to be humble enough to know when to listen and when to be confronted and when to change. But that's hard. And all of those things can take place under the banner of unity, right? right. Like we can also be arguing about the, the minors and just be like, hey, well, you're, you're never going to see it my way. I'm never going to see it your way. Totally fine. But what if we're actually arguing about something that's significant? It, it also requires being willing to change and to listen. And all of that there's room for that, but it's messy. Mm. It's not clean. But I think G, like if Jesus, if God is disagreeing with God, kind of, who are we to think that we're not going to disagree with each other sometimes? Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. We should be able to, to have tension and to, and to move yeah. forward with it yeah. and That's not have to insightful. alleviate it before we're united. Really, really insightful and helpful. Another arena where we see this played out, I mean, we've, we've beat up on cable news. It's sort of like the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. It's easy um, to do. The reason is clear. The product is, is discord and entertainment. Mm-hmm. And the end goal is profit, right? Uh, and so if we're being discipled in discourse uh, and, and approaching a kingdom endeavor of unity with the training of discord for pro- professional discord for profit, we're not going to get very far, yeah. but we've, we've broken that one down. Let's talk about social media while we're slaughtering sacred cows. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Okay. So, um, we talked about shoehorning the kingdom, our understanding of the kingdom into our understanding of the world and our preferences for that container, rather than molding our experience of culture or the world into the kingdom, as I believe God has called us to do, right? Uh, Where do you see that happen more clearly than our online personas? Um, And how does that um, expression of our faith, such as it is, train us for 
unity versus for uniformity. Okay, I got you. Like, I, okay, let me, let me break it down really, really clear <laughs> and, and answer this one or not. How, how often have you seen someone on social media say, after a rousing, spirited uh, co- debate in the comments, you know what? You're right. Or at least I might be wrong and I'm going to go home. I'm going to not post for a little while and rethink my life. Well, yeah, I mean, that never happens. I mean, it, maybe it happens for the people that read the comments that are sort of like the, the social media stalkers who just are watching all the time but never say anything. But that never happens. And I think it's <laughs> – social media is a weird place, man. Like, I, I'm on it. I have a love-hate relationship with it. But if we actually begin to understand how it works – let's just take Facebook, for example, right? It's going to show me more of what I like and what I and what I agree with. And if I if you post something that I don't like, Rob, I'm just going to unfollow you. <laughs> so then I'm left with more opinions that look like me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I see even more of of the things that I already sure, agree so it with. It self reinforces. It just self reinforces, and that leads to a, a Christianity bravely proclaimed in the public square of digital media that. Um, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy and looks more and more uniform the more I use it. And I suggest pulls farther and farther away from biblical unity. Now, are we saying that social media is evil and we shouldn't do it? No, we both do it. And we recognize that it's as evil as the public square ever was, mm-hmm. right? Jesus went to the well, like Mari talked, yeah, talked yeah. about. And it wasn't like the well was all well-behaved, carefully <laughs> thought-out arguments. You had everyone saying every manner of thing. This is the well of our day. It just means that either Jesus first and social media, cable news, Americana second, or something else. And I think that's it. Yeah. So uh, this is something you see on social media, but also it leaks into all of the other containers maybe that we try to shoehorn our, our faith into is how do you know if maybe you're trying to fit your faith into a container that's not big enough to contain it? If you can't, uh, if you can't disagree with your container then I think you're shoehorning fa- your faith into it. Like if, if you can never admit that someone is wrong, that you're, that, that's in your group, someone you follow on social media that you love and they say something that's out of line and you just can't say, yeah, that was pretty messed up. I don't, I don't agree with that. Then I think you might be shoving your faith a little bit too much into a container and, and, and maybe it's, it's, it's more uniformity than it is unity. And I, it's a great exercise mm-hmm. for me on social media. My wife actually was the one that, that, that tells me to do this. Um, cause I'll get mad when I see certain things and I just like shut it off. And she's like, no, you need to follow people who don't agree with you. There's certain people that like everything they say, I don't agree with, but I want to see it. I want it to be on my radar. So I don't unintentionally weed out everyone else that doesn't think like me until I'm left with myself. Right. And, and then, then the version, the version, the version of unity that you bring to the table in the in our kingdom community is a is a distorted one that actually pulls against rather than works for Absolutely. unity. Absolutely. Wow, that's so insightful. Um, okay, so we we've talked about what unity is not, mm-hmm. and I think that's helpful to be able to identify the the hard work begins not in articulating it but in finding ourselves mm-hmm. in that process slowing down the conversation internally mm-hmm. so we can slow it down externally what what does unity in fact look like it starts with not that right 
but this. To me, and this is in no order of importance, I think part of what it, start, what it looks like is finding our common denominator. What is the thing that, that holds us together? What is the jersey that we're both wearing? And I think underneath that is, is maybe a deeper uh, truth of what does unity look like? I think it looks like believing the best about the person I'm talking to. Because mm. especially when it comes to, tr- to anything with Jesus or faith or scripture or whatever, we start to have debates about things that, that attempts to, 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 to pull us apart. And what we... What we forget is like, man, the person I'm talking to, I really believe they love Jesus. I actually think we're on the same team. Um, but what we do on accident is we, we vilify and say, well, mm. if you don't think like me, then you don't love God. And that does, that, that is, I'm going backwards again. That's what unity doesn't look like. So I think what it looks like is realizing what do we have in common? Mm-hmm. What's the larger direction that we're both for? Mm-hmm. What jersey are we both wearing in this, uh, this, this fight, this game, this, this pursuit that we're on? Um, it's acknowledging that and keeping maybe that front and center and mm. not allowing the disagreement mm. to, to make it look like you're wearing a different shirt than I am. Mm. Um, no, we're all, we're, I think we all want the same thing. I think the person I'm disagreeing with isn't a bad person. I don't think that they're evil. I don't think that they're misled. I don't think that they're stupid. Um, we can have a conversation and just remember that we're wearing the same jersey. Mm. I think it looks something like that. Does it also include being quicker to listen and slower to speak, being ever so slightly, being willing to be ever so slightly less self-assured and regarding one another. Scripture says, in humility, consider others better than ourselves. In discourse, can you imagine the seismic shift if the one speaking started from the vantage point that my opponent is, is better than me? He's more well thought out, more historically substantiated, more temperate in his responses. Can you imagine how that would change the game, right? So what am I saying? Scripture says this in James 1, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Wow. I think we tend to approach discourse too often. The opposite way. Speak first, then become angry, and then maybe listen a distant third after our blood's already boiling. So we're not really listening to understand. We're listening to formulate our response. That's so true. That's convicting for me. I mean, I know so many times I want to say what I want to say, and I am right. You know what I mean? You know, like, and so are you. Everyone thinks they're right. So... I think it's another piece of what, yeah, I think another piece of what unity looks like is humility because we all can't be right, you know? (laughs) If we all think we're right, then we're either all wrong or maybe there's just one of us that's right. And we're probably all wrong in some way. Mm -hmm. Can we be humble enough to enter the conversation with this thought in mind? Like as far-fetched as it may seem, Rob, I might be wrong. Mm. Like, when do you hear that in, in discord? Like, you know what? I could be wrong on this. Mm-hmm. Can that language enter into our uh, uh, vocabulary as we have discussions? I think those are tools that help unite, even amongst difference. If both people are saying, yeah, I could be wrong about that. Mm. That's what pulls us together and keeps us together. 
Um, just I could be. I, I, I don't be. think I am. I might be. But I might be. I could be wrong, and I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm going to think about what you said. And then there's a tandem truth to that, and that is, uh, Scripture says, pursue unity, making allowance mm. for one another's faults. Right. The, beginning with, I could be wrong, then continuing to, you know, over the course of this conversation, I might come to the belief or, or the factual clarity that you are wrong. So what do I do with that? Mm. Can, I, can I make room for that? Because God knows I need you to make room for mine. Yep, yep. And how many times have we... Have we thought one thing, like if you could go back and talk to the previous version of yourself from 25 years ago or 40 years ago, I hope you don't agree with everything that that version right. said. <laughs> if you do, that might be your problem. You might be stuck and may God help us get unstuck. But we all grow. We all, we evolve, our thoughts and our opinions evolve. So can we give room for all of us to to grow and to change. And knowing that you, in order for unity to be possible, we have to have differences. That's a part of it. Um, so it, it, can we be comfortable after having a civil, respectful, humble, slow to become angry conversation, if we're still in different places, yo, we're still on the same team. Mm -hmm. We still play together. Mm. That's part of what it so means. So good. All right, I want to bring this full circle to wrap us up. We began exactly. talking about Revelation chapter seven as God's end game. The Apostle John got a little bit of a glimpse of kingdom come, as it were, and they're all wearing the white robes, but their color and their languages and their ethnic traditions, those follow them into eternity, presumably being made in God's image because they express the fullness of God's image. Yeah. He wanted it that way. Now it says we're going to sit at a banqueting table. I don't know whether that's a real or a metaphoric banqueting table, but pretend that it's real for a moment. <laughs> we all sit down at a big table and you're wearing a white robe across from a guy who's also wearing a white robe, who's from Mongolia, outer Mongolia, yeah. not inner, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay? And he speaks his language in heaven, according to the scripture, and you speak yours. Likewise, his customs, his traditions, his garb, but you're all wearing the white robe, so you're all on the same team. But you're gonna have a conversation over dinner if you're like the yeah. rest of us. You're not yeah. gonna sit there eating your whatever it is we eat. What, <laughs> what's that meal gonna be anyway? Um, who's... <laughs> Whose food wins? I say Italians. Maybe. Um, but whatever it is we're eating, you're not going to sit there eating in silence. So we're going to try to talk. Have you ever tried to talk to someone who speaks a different language? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's clumsy. It takes great effort to understand one another, mm. to be able to hear what he's saying. Yeah. Well, that's what the kingdom is like. If we expect the wow. kingdom to be like a bunch of people who speak our language with our dialect from our side of the tracks, also buy $5.50 coffees on the way into work, then we're not sitting at Jesus's table. Wow. So the, the, the incompleteness, the inexactness, the clunky inability to relate at first is part of the work of the kingdom. Isn't that the unity part and parcel? And I think, isn't that the point, man? Like we get to have it, may, God, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We can get a head start to get ready for that banquet table, whether it's literal or, or metaphorical. Like, can we get used to having conversations with people that go down awkward or I don't understand? Just like, what did you mean by that? Because you know who's going to be really uncomfortable in heaven is the person who only talked to people and listened to people and surrounded themselves with people that look just like them. Like, you'll be at the table too. Totally. 
but you'll be a little bit more uncomfortable. Than yeah, the you're going to be thrown. <laughs> than the person that started getting ready for that here. Right. And, and we talked about shoehorning the kingdom into culture rather than conforming, mm. reforming culture into the image of the kingdom. Isn't that the work we're called to do? Amen. Isn't that what we as Christians are tasked with? Yes. Bringing all things together under the head of Christ. Jesus said the kingdom is coming and is now here and left us this ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that beginning the work of the banqueting table with the dude from Mongolia? I mean, the language may just be the beginning. What's he eating? How's he eating it? Right. If we all get our dream in heaven, I'm gonna be eating like stuffed shells with Italian sausage. I have no idea what that guy's <laughs> gonna be eating, but it might smell weird to me. I mean, there is gonna be a layer upon layer of disconnect. And so to start that work now, yes, with the seams exposed, not knowing how to begin and sometimes, frankly, stepping on our tails and having to say, you know what? I was wrong in five ways mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. Yep. I love it. That's where, I don't know where unity ends, but I think that's maybe where it begins. Amen. Good work. Hey, we got to wrap up and let you guys go. Thanks for taking some time and spending it with us today, continuing to pursue the clunky conversations of race and unity. What does this mean? Where does it go? How deep does the rabbit hole get? I think this is our glorious pursuit. This is what it means to have found our Savior and yet to seek him. We're going to go everywhere he goes as far as he does, and may he give us grace to do it. George, will you close us in prayer today? Yeah, Jesus, we just ask that your prayer for us would come to pass, God, that, me, that we may be one as your church, not, not uniformity, but united. Um, in your kingdom. So Lord, would you help us? Would you give us grace where we need to grow? Uh, Would you give us courage where we need to be pushed out of the boat? Uh, Would you just give us a high capacity to mess things up? Because we know we will on the way, but we don't want that to be an excuse for not uh, establishing your kingdom here um, as it is there in heaven. So God, uh, help us. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you, everybody. God bless you. May God continue to give us grace to walk this road this week. Talk to you next time.